Thanksgiving. How many are excited about Thanksgiving? Come on, if you're excited about Thanksgiving. How many got big plans for Thanksgiving, going somewhere for Thanksgiving? As you can see, a lot of people have already began to go for Thanksgiving, but we're so glad that you are here today. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. One of my favorite holidays of the year, Thanksgiving. And the reason I love Thanksgiving is because I got big plans. And my big plans for Thanksgiving involve the four F's. How many know what the four F's of Thanksgiving are, right? Come on. Fall, family, food, and of course, football, right? Man, I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I'm excited about this week, getting together with family, being able to be just thankful and grateful for what God has done in us. And I thought since this is just a few days before Thanksgiving that we would start off with something a little bit fun. Is it okay to have fun in church, right? I think it should be okay to have fun in church. We start with a little bit of, little bit of humor here today. How many of you like Jimmy Fallon? Come on, anybody watch Jimmy Fallon a little bit? I like Jimmy Fallon. He does a thing on his show called Hashtags. Have you seen Hashtags before? One of my favorite bits that he does on the show where he goes on, he goes on Twitter and creates a hashtag and then he asks people to just kind of hashtag theirs in. And so this week, because it's the beginning of Thanksgiving week, he did one called Thanksgiving Fail. How many have ever had some Thanksgiving fails before? And so I just thought I would read a couple of them to you. Uh, kind of funny. One of them says, one, uh, one year my mom dropped the turkey on the floor while taking it out of the oven. She looked at me and said, tell no one. (laughs) One of them says, I like this one. One of them says, one year my grandma showed up to Thanksgiving with everybody's Christmas gifts. So we just all went with it. (laughs) I like this one. Says, when I was six, I sat on the pumpkin pie. My mom covered it with Cool Whip and served it anyway. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. This is my favorite one. My girlfriend told me to dress up for her family's Thanksgiving dinner, so I showed up dressed as a pink, as a as a pilgrim. She meant wear something nice. <laughs> not good, not good. And then this last one might get me in a little bit of trouble, but I'll say it anyway. It says we went around the table at Thanksgiving saying what we were thankful for, and my grandma said, "Thank God we only have to do this crap once a year." <laughs> I'm not sure if you can actually say that in church, but I said it three times today in church. Don't send me any emails, please, all right? And we're having a little bit of fun in this series, even having a little bit of fun with a subject that sometimes actually isn't very fun to talk about. We've been talking about giving. We've been doing this series called I Like Giving. So everybody look at your neighbor one more time. Tell them I like giving. We've been talking about giving. We've been talking about the fact that God has actually called us to be generous, to be people who, who not just give, but actually people who love to give, people who have a passion for generosity. And in this series, we've talked actually a lot about money, but today I have a promise for you. Today, we're not going to talk about money. How many are going, going hallelujah, I'm glad we're not talking about money today. Today, we're going to talk about giving, but we're going to talk about it from a little bit of a different angle. We're going to talk about giving thanks. Now, some of you are going, man, now that's the kind of giving I can get into. Pass the pumpkin pie and the turkey leg. I like me some Thanksgiving. And here's the deal is that we're really good at Thanksgiving and we're really good at giving thanks maybe one day a year. But the fact of the matter is there's a whole lot more to gratitude than just what we do on Thanksgiving. And I believe that God would want to speak to us today about some areas where maybe he would call us to be a little bit more grateful. Because the fact of the matter is, and I'm included in this, but today the truth of the matter is so many of us aren't very thankful. 
We don't live in a very thankful culture. We don't live in a very thankful part of the world. And gratitude has kind of gone by the wayside. And, and I want to talk about it a little bit today. And what I want to do is talk about it by looking at this guy uh, in the scripture. Actually, it's a story that Jesus told called a parable. And it's a parable that maybe is familiar to many of you today. It's probably one of the most famous parables that Jesus told. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. How many know that parable, right? And it's found in the scripture. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn there. It's found in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. We're going to read it together in just a second. But while you're turning there... You know, this parable has in, in so many incredible themes that, that are spoken in this, in this parable. Obviously, we know the main theme of the parable is the father's love for his son, which parallels to the father in heaven, our heavenly father, and his love for us and the grace and the mercy that God gives us. And what an, what an amazing and what a rich theme in that parable. And yet, even, even beside the main, the main point and the main theme of the parable, I believe that there's also some secondary themes. And so I want to look at one of those kind of secondary themes today. And the theme we're going to look at is this idea of gratitude or maybe even kind of a lack of gratitude. So let's read it together, beginning in verse number 11. It's on the screen there for you. You can follow along or in your LifeGate app today or in your notes. It says, to to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share. Everybody say my share. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, for I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Right here in this parable, right here in this passage, I believe we can see some things about a person who doesn't have a whole lot of gratitude in his heart. In fact, we see this son that comes to his father and says to his father, I want my inheritance and I want it now. And you see just this ungrateful young man. 
Today, what I want to do is I want to look at this parable and see a couple of roadblocks that we might have to gratitude in our own life. And some of you may see these things happening in culture and maybe in your life today. In fact, if you're taking notes, write these two things down. I believe the first roadblock to gratitude is the attitude of entitlement. Everybody say entitlement. How many know today that it is absolutely impossible to be thankful if you have an entitled attitude? And this is exactly what we see happen with, uh, with the son in the story, that the son is filled with this attitude of entitlement. In fact, we see it right here in verse number 11. I want you to notice what he says. He says, give me, everybody say it aloud. What? It says, give me my share of the estate. In other words, basically he goes, hey, it's my stuff. It's my, it's my inheritance. It's my money. It's, it's my stuff. Now, you notice that he didn't do anything really to earn it. Like the only reason that it really belonged to him was because he was just fortunate enough to be, to be born into the father's household. The father was the one that had earned it. The father was the one that had worked so hard to, acu- to accumulate all the wealth that he had. And yet the son comes to him with this attitude, this entitled kind of an attitude that says, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but it's mine and I want you to give it to me. You know, the fact of the matter is, man, I see this attitude a lot in our culture today. It's almost like everyone has this attitude that everyone owes them something. How many have seen this in culture today, right? I mean, it's like, man, everybody owes me something. The government owes me something. You know, my parents owe me something. The church owes me something. The pastor owes me something. My friends owe me something. Everybody, the world owes me. And there's kind of, kind of this attitude, this prevailing attitude In culture today, that is really an attitude that goes against having a grateful heart. It's an attitude of entitlement. In fact, we see it a lot in the in the generation that's that's coming up today. In fact, I heard about one guy who was a uh, who was a consultant and he did some business work, and so he was brought in to consult with some of these young people who were just uh, just about to graduate from college and go into the workforce. And so he began to talk to them about life and about what it would be like when they went into the workforce. And so he began his talk like this. He said, guys, there's one word that has been used to, to describe your generation that's coming up. And it begins with the letter E. Can anyone tell me what it is? And of course, the young people began to say things like energetic and enthusiastic and full of excellence. And the man said, those are all great words, but that's not the word that I was thinking of. The man went to the, went to the blackboard and he wrote the word entitled. You know, we live in a very entitled generation. And, you know, sometimes it would be really easy to kind of point the finger at the young people and say, yeah, it's them. I mean, in fact, we kind of do this a little bit about the millennials. We say, oh, they're just the entitled generation. We make up songs about them and make videos and put them on Facebook. And you've seen those kind of things kind of floating around in the world today. And it's really easy for us to just kind of point the finger at the generation coming behind us and say they're the entitled generation. But I want to talk for just a second to those of us that may be a little bit older here today. And I want to ask you, if the next generation is an entitled generation, how do you think they got that way? Who do you think taught them to be that way? In fact, I'm not a millennial. I'm actually a, a Gen Xer. Do we got any Gen Xers in the house? And let me just talk to Gen Xers here for just a second. We're the ones who actually invented and perfected the art of entitlements, aren't we? 
And so many times we, we're so entitled. And then what, what do we do? We pass this attitude down to the generation that comes behind us. In fact, I thought I would talk to the parents here for a second today. We got any, any parents in the house today? Let me, just, let me just talk to you for just a second. If you want to guarantee that you raise up a child or a teenager that has this kind of an entitlement, kind of an attitude, I thought I'd give you a little tips for that today, okay? You might want to take notes. The first one is this. Write this down. You might write it, write it down. Give them everything they ever want. If you really want your kids to turn out this way, then what do you do? You give them everything you want. And here's what, here's what we do sometimes is that sometimes because we, we're, we feel guilty that we spend so much time at work or that, we, or that we're focused so much on ourselves sometimes. And here's what we do. It's like, it's like we give our kids whatever they want. Sometimes it's because we just want them to shut up and be quiet. And so we don't hold anything back from them. We just, we just, we just give them anything that they want anytime that they want it. And man, I'm telling you, that leads to this. This ungrateful, entitled kind of an attitude. Here's another one, all right? You ready for this? Here's how you make sure that you raise entitled children. You overprotect them. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember when I was a kid, man, when we needed to go somewhere, if we didn't have enough room in the pickup, what did we do? We just hopped in the back. Come on, anybody ever ridden in the back of a pickup truck before? And man, we didn't care. We didn't have, we, you know, we didn't have no buckles or whatever. Nowadays, I'm telling you what, when we get kids in the car, like you got to buckle like 14 buckles before you get them in there. And you're like putting them in a helmet in order to ride in the car. I mean, it's, it's crazy. They got to sit in a booster seat till they're 17 years old. I mean, it's amazing. The way that we overprotect kids these days. I mean, the kids these days have no idea the sheer exhilaration of being able to jump your bike on a ramp, a sketchy ramp that you built from old wood you found out in the alley. Come on, right? I mean, you guys, you guys, I see some teenagers here have no idea what it's like to be able to, to be able to jump off of the roof of your house onto your trampoline. And a trampoline that doesn't have any you know, side walls around it. Come on. Maybe I did that. Maybe I didn't growing up, you know. I mean, it's crazy. Nowadays, I mean, we overprotect these kids to the point where, like, just for them to go out and get the mail, we got to wrap them in bubble wrap or something. It's, it's unbelievable. And you know what it has created? It's created kind of this attitude of, man, I've got it all, and, I, and everyone owes me something. And there's this kind of this entitlement kind of feeling. That, that we feel. Here's, a, here's another one. Instead of just, instead of just overprotecting them and giving them everything they want, here's what you can do is you can always bail them out. Like when they get in trouble, don't let them reap any consequences from the trouble. Just, just bail them all out. You know, I grew up in, in, a, in a town called Midland, Texas. Anybody know where Midland is? Midland is all the, all the oil field and all that, especially during the time when I was growing up. Actually, when we lived there, Midland was, was known as, uh, the, they had the most millionaires in any city in, in America per capita. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. And so I went to Midland High School, and at Midland High School, like when I grew up, the kids, they'd get their very first car, and when they get their first car, it would be like a brand new, brand new Camaro or a brand new, GMC Yukon and I'm like what in the world that's not the first car I got first car I got was no lie a 1981 Ford Mustang right come on and it was white it had the louvers on the back some of you are going yeah the Mustang well no it wasn't really all that cool it really wasn't because it I mean it was a four-cylinder four in the floor my my friends called it the kazoo because that's what it sounded like when you drove it it went wing 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 one of my friends actually bought me a kazoo and I hung it from the mirror in the car. 
proudly my, my kazoo. And, and I remember one time my dad was telling me to do something and I was mad because he was making me go run an errand or do something for him. And I got in my car, I fired up that car. Man, I, you know, I peeled out of the driveway as much as you can in a little four cylinder, right? And I'm like, and then I'm like getting ready to go from second gear to third gear. And I'm mad. And so I just like went like that and just shoved it into third gear. But the problem was it didn't go into third gear. It actually went right between first gear and third gear and dropped the transmission. I, I'm only a block or so from the house. I walk back to the house. I'm like, Dad, something's wrong with my car. I don't know what's wrong. And he's like, I know what's wrong. You were mad. And you, you grind those gears and you broke the transmission. I'm like, yeah, dad, I need to get my car fixed. And he's like, yeah, you'll get your car fixed and you'll pay for every bit of it. And I remember to this day, it was $800 to fix that car. Now, $800 may or may not sound like a lot to you, but when you're a 16 year old kid, that's a lot of money. And you know what? My parents didn't just bail me out. They knew what I had done was wrong. And they made me face the consequences of what I had done. And so many times these days, man, we just kind of bail everybody out. And we don't allow anyone to face any consequences. And you know what it, what it breeds? It breeds this attitude of entitlement. It breeds this, this attitude that is, that is un, an ungrateful attitude attitude. Man, maybe we even just give people stuff that they didn't work for. I mean, everybody gets a trophy. You participated. You weren't any good, but everybody gets a trophy. And you know what happens is we get this attitude, this we get this kind of sense of entitlement that just like the young, the young man in the story, he felt like his father owed the inheritance to him. He had done nothing to deserve it, nothing to work for it. It was only because he was in the father's house that he even had what he had. And yet he had this attitude that it is owed to me, which led to this very ungrateful spirit. Entitlement. Number two, write this one down. If we want to become ungrateful... Here's a roadblock to gratitude. Here, here's how we become ungrateful is we become impatient. Everybody say impatient. In fact, this is what we see with this prodigal son. Don't we see that not only is he entitled, not only does he say, I deserve it. You need to give to me what is mine. But what does he say? He says, I want what is mine and I want it what? I want it now. Like, I don't want to wait for it. Now, last I checked, an inheritance, you don't receive it till somebody dies. <laughs> but in the story, no, he didn't want to wait Till his father passed away. He didn't want to wait until then. No, he wanted to have it right here and right now. And there was this impatience that he had to the point where he took what the father had spent years and years and years of his life, probably 30 years building this wealth. And the son takes his portion of it and goes and within just a matter of a few weeks squanders it all and it's gone. And so many of us, man, this is the kind of attitude that we have is, is this attitude of impatience. Like, I want what's coming to me and I want it now. In fact, I see it in young people today, but not just in young people today. I see it in even my generation when we were younger. It was like we had this expectation that we were going to be able to live the same kind of life our parents lived when we're 24, but they were 54. When we've worked for three months and they worked for 30 years, but we think we should have the same kind of house and we think that we should drive the same kind of car and go on the same kind of vacations and wear the same kind of clothes of all the things that our parents spent years and years and years to to build up to that point and yet we don't want to wait and we don't want to work we want it right here and right now and if we can't have it right here and right now here's what we do I can't afford to have it now so what I'll do is I'll just get this little thing called a credit card and I'll put it on the credit card 
and I'll build up all this debt, which, by the way, builds up all this stress on our lives and in our marriages, in our relationships, in every area of our life. And it's all because we had we had this ungrateful attitude that was fueled by this impatience. I, I'm not grateful for the fact that I'm in the Father's house now and I have access to anything that the Father wants to give me now. No, no, no. I, I'm not grateful for that. So now that's led to me being impatient, saying, I want to have what's mine and I want to have it right now. And all of us would really do pretty good if we would just kind of take a little advice from our grandparents. What did our grandparents do? If they wanted something and they couldn't afford to have it, they didn't go charge it on the credit card. What did they do? They waited. They saved up until they had enough. And then when they had enough, they went and bought it. Bite it? <laughs> bought it. You guys try this. It's not as easy as you think, all right? They went and bought it. And, and you know, some of you go, man, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that is. Like that word wait, you're like, what does that mean? You know, you're speaking a foreign language. Well, I just did a little word study so you can, I mean, I studied the in-depth in the Greek and the Hebrew, like whole word story, uh, word study. You know what that word wait means? It means you don't get it now. <laughs> it means you wait. And here's the deal. I'm giving you all a hard time, but I do it too. Like, I find myself being impatient at times. How many of you find yourself being impatient at times, right? I do. Like, I mean, I just think about things that happen in my everyday life where I find myself being impatient. Like, right here with this little thing in my hand, a phone, right? And what, I mean, it's amazing what you can do on these things that we couldn't do when I was a kid. I only dreamed of being able to watch movies on some kind of a device while you're taking that trip to grandma's house at Thanksgiving. No, no, man. We didn't, we didn't get to do that. And now, man, you can watch, you can watch TV on your phone. You can, you can check your email. You can do, I mean, take pictures. You can do everything. And yet sometimes, like, you pull up the phone, and if it takes more than about two seconds, you're like, what in the world's wrong with this stupid thing? Come on. Have you ever, I mean... You forget the fact that it's bouncing a signal off of a satellite that's thousands of miles away and bringing it back to you. But if it don't happen in two seconds, then something's wrong. And there's impatience that we have sometimes. Man, I, I have it sometimes like in the, in the drive-thru, you know, the fast food. And you're like, what's taking so long? This is supposed to be fast food. There's a reason it's called fast food. It's supposed to be fast, right? And yet, I mean, they're making my meal for me. <laughs> They're going to bring it out to my car, which, by the way, if you have a car that you can drive, you're actually in about the top 10% of the wealthiest people in all of the world. 90% of the world can't even afford a car, and yet you're driving it, and you're going to drive it up to a window, and they're going to hand you a meal through the window into your car that you don't even have to get out, and then they're going to clean up all the mess inside that it took to make the meal for you, and for about seven bucks, you can have whatever it is that you want to eat, and there are people in the world that today they wake up, and they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and we're so, we're so impatient. It's taken so long, and it flows out of this heart of, of not being grateful, an ungrateful heart. In fact, if you really want to test your gratitude, just look at your patience level. When you find yourself being impatient, you know what's happening there? Most of the time it's flowing out of this attitude that not being grateful for what it is that you have. So some of you say, well, what do I do about this, Pastor? Like, I recognize some entitlement and some, some impatience, some ingratitude in my life. How do, I, how do I get back on that road to gratitude? Well, I want to look at the story of the prodigal son. And I want to see that, that he, he changed. He, he went from a, from a spoiled brat, ungrateful, entitled, impatient young man to at the end of the story, we see a change that happened 
in his life. And I want to look at the road that he took back to gratitude. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, is this, you got to recognize. Everybody look at your neighbor, just tell them, you got to recognize. Recognize. See, here's the deal. If you want to get somewhere, before you can get where you're trying to go, you got to recognize where you're at right now. Isn't it true? Like we, we do that. You go to the mall and you're trying to find the food court because you're hungry. And so what do you do? You go to that big board there that says, you know, where everything is. And what's the first thing you look for? You look for that big old giant red arrow that says you are here, right? And here's the deal. Before you can get where you need to go, you got to recognize you are here. And this is exactly what happens with the prodigal son. Here he is. He's gone and taken the father's, taken the father's wealth, squandered it all. He finds himself in, the, in with the pigs and he finds himself miserable, not knowing how he got there. And then all of a sudden something happens. We see it in verse number 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. And then he would, everybody say it aloud. Then he came to his senses. Man, there was a recognition that took place. There was suddenly a recognition of how did I get here? How did I become so ungrateful? How did I become so entitled? How did I become so impatient? How do I, how did I get to this place that is so miserable? And suddenly a light bulb went off in his, in his mind, in his heart. He began to see, man, I got to a place that I never wanted to be. And some of you today would be the day that the Holy Spirit would begin to prompt your heart and he would begin to show you some areas that the light bulb in your mind and your heart would go off to recognize, man, that's me. I find myself not being grateful for what God has done for me. I find myself not recognizing his blessings in my life. I find myself feeling like someone owes me and expecting, expecting these things and entitled and, and, and impatient. And, and maybe today would be the day that you would recognize because before you can move any further, you got to know where you're at right here and right now. In fact, let's just do a little, little exercise today. I want you to think about some of these categories that we're going to look at today. And I want you to rate yourself one to 10 in your mind. Where are you at on some of these areas? How grateful are you? Maybe it's in the area of finances. Maybe it's with material things. How grateful are you for your house, for your car, for the things that you have? Some of you would have to look and go, man, I'm, maybe I'm not very grateful. I mean, maybe it's my house and it's like, man, you know, my house is not big enough or it's not in the right neighborhood or we've got old builder grade carpet. And I wish we had, you know, I wish we had hardwood floors or man, we got grant, we, we, we need granite countertops. It can't be a nice house unless it's granite countertops and, and all these things that we have in our mind that sometimes we're ungrateful for what we already have. Maybe it's your car. Maybe he's, man, I don't, I'm not driving a new enough car. I need, I, knew, I need a newer car. I need one of those that on a cold morning like this morning, I can flip a little button and it'll warm up my rear end. That's what I need, you know. I need, I need some of that. Some of you are even like, man, I got one of those cars. You got to go like this to make the window go down. And maybe you find yourself feeling ungrateful in that area. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your TV, man. My TV's not big enough or it's not high definition enough. I need one of those 4Ks so that maybe I just go out on Black Friday. Maybe they'll have one on sale and I won't buy for somebody else. I'll buy for me. And you've got these, you've got these thoughts in your mind of areas where maybe financially, materialistically, you walk into the closet and you go, man, I got nothing to wear. And there's like a whole closet full of stuff. And maybe you would find yourself maybe a little bit ungrateful. Maybe it's in the area of your relationships. Maybe you would want to rate, rate yourself here. How grateful are you in the area of your relationships? Maybe some of you would be like, man, 
Some of you young people, my parents, they're driving me nuts. They're just always on me for this or that or the other. Maybe some of you, it would be, you know, my spouse. I just can't get my, can't get my wife to cook and clean and do stuff that I want her to do. Or my husband, he just, you know, he's just a bump on a log. All he does is sit around and watch football, and I can't get him to get any motiv- motivation. Or it's, maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's I don't have enough friends. Or maybe it's I don't like the friends that I have. Or my friends won't leave me alone. And maybe in the area of your relationships, you find yourself a little bit ungrateful. Maybe it's even in circumstantial stuff. Maybe it's the circumstances of life. Maybe, maybe the things that you're going through, man, I just never get a good day and I just never get any, any breaks and nothing ever goes good for me. Or maybe it's, maybe it's traffic or maybe it's the weather. Or I had a bad hair day or I don't like my hair. Or I don't have any hair. Or I have hair on my back. I don't know what it might be for you. But you might say, Man, I, I recognize some areas of my life where I've not been as grateful as I should be. Got to recognize. Everybody say it, recognize. Number two, the second step we see that happens with the prodigal son is not only did he recognize, but he repented. Everybody say repent. Repent. You know what that word repent means? It means to change your mind. And this is what we see with with the prodigal son. Here's this young man who was so full of himself, so full of pride, so full of entitlement, this sense of I expect and everyone owes me something at the beginning of the story. But something happens inside of him that at the end of the story, he's not the same person. What happened? What happened was repentance. Like he repented. He changed his heart and he changed his mind. And you know what you have to do in order to be repentant? You know what, you know what the key ingredients to repentance is? It's humility. You have to humble yourself. And here's what we see happen with this, with this young man is that all of a sudden he came to a place where he had been humbled. He came to a place where all of his money is gone and all of his friends are gone. And there he is sitting in there with the pigs and not having anything to eat. And all of a sudden he realizes he's dirty and he's hungry and he's, and he's smelly. And he was the one who had caused all of the problems at home. But now he has to come to a place where he's going, man, it's me. I'm the one that is the problem. I'm the one that, that brought myself to this place and he had to humble himself and God began to change his heart and change his mind. Here's the deal for some of us. We need to come to a place where we humble ourselves enough to the point where we we recognize, man, everything that I have, the reason that I have it is because God gave it to me. And I don't really deserve anything. In fact, the scripture tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. That we, because of our sin, we deserve to die. And anything less than death and eternal separation from God himself, anything more than that is actually a blessing from God that only comes because of his fantastic mercy and grace and, and his greatness in our lives, his blessing things in our life. So we got to come to this place where we realize, man, all I really deserve is death, but God has given me so much more. We repent. We have a change of hearts, a change of mind. We recognize where we're at. We repent. We turn and we move in a different direction. And finally, number three, we just return. Everybody say return. What happened with the prodigal son? Man, he recognized that, man, I've been ungrateful. I've been Impatient. I've been entitled. I've been, I've been a spoiled brat. He recognized it. He repented of it, but he didn't just repent and stay where he was. But what happened? He returned to the father's house. He returned with humility, saying, "I don't even deserve to be a, a son." 
just let me be a slave. But here's what we see happen is that the father being so loving and so gracious and so kind. The father celebrates the return of the son. And can I tell you here today that maybe some of you have have recognized some areas of your life where you've been ungrateful and maybe you've even been afraid to return to the father because you've been afraid of what he might say or how he might respond. And can I tell you that he loves you? And he's looking for people just like like the scripture says in Psalm that a broken and a contrite heart, a broken spirit, he will not turn away. We come to him. We return to him. And here's the key to gratitude. Ready for the key to gratitude today is this, is if you really want to be grateful, the key is that you take every blessing that God has given you and you return it in the form of praise. That every time God has blessed you, instead of thinking, yeah, I deserve it. Yeah, this is something that I should have. This is something that I am owed. This is something that I expect. Instead, no, no, no. You know what you do? You take it and you turn it back towards God in the form of praise. It might be through giving. It might be through worship. It might be through being generous. But you take the blessings of God and you turn them to worship. In fact, I like what Mark Batterson says. He says, every blessing that's not turned to praise will be turned to pride. Here's what happens when we, when we don't realize how blessed we are and how much God has done in our lives. We begin to expect it. You know what happens? It begins to build up a wall of pride in our heart. But when we start realizing that I'm only here because God put me here, I only have what I have because I'm so fortunate that God loved me and he has blessed me and he has been so merciful and gracious to me. It begins to change our attitude. We begin to see things with a different perspective. And when God blesses us instead, we turn around and we return it. We return it in the form of praise, in the form of generosity, in the form of blessing others and blessing God because he has blessed us so much. And that's what we've been attempting to do in this month here at LifeGate. I know we've talked a lot about giving. We've talked a lot about money. But really, at the heart of what we've been talking about is this attitude of generosity. An attitude that only flows from people who are filled with. With gratitude. Because the truth of the matter is, when you're grateful for what you have, you can't help but be generous with it. When you're grateful for what God has done in you and what He has given you, you can't help but give it back to others. That, in fact, that's why we've challenged you. Last week, we challenged you to really practice gratitude by being generous with your tithe and, and your offering. You know, really, tithing is really just. A practical way of showing our gratitude, taking what God has blessed us with and turning it back to praise. Today, we're challenging you with our one day to feed the world offering to just take one day's salary and to give it back just in recognition that, man, everything that I have came from God. And I am so incredibly blessed to take what he has given and just give just a small portion one day, one day of what you make. Give it to someone who doesn't have as much as you have. As a way of saying, God, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. My heart is filled with gratitude for all that you have done.